0: Welcome back to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. My guest this week is Blas Escarcega, and he is the Director of Franchise Development for a very unique chicken concept. Now, chicken is a very competitive segment, but this is a Central American chicken, a family company that has family values and a unique family recipe that is translated into an international brand in multiple countries. But big push here in America. There's 90 stores and growing Brand is on fire, but it's really based on that family culture, quality of the food, really unique flavors and spices, sides that really round out the food experience, and guest service and training that really Um, obviously makes a difference. So you're not going to want to miss this. Lots of key takeaways for your own concept. Thanks to our sponsors this week. And if you haven't already, check out the Restaurant Rockstars Academy at restaurantrockstars.com. Now you can give access to up to 25 people in your organization to help you Both learn the business and run the business. We're talking about leadership, cost controls, and profit maximization, marketing firepower, growing that business, affinity with your guests, and really everything you need to run a more efficient and profitable operation only at restaurantrockstars.com. Thanks again, and you're not going to want to miss this episode, so here we go. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. The busiest time of the year is coming. Is your staff ready for the holiday rush? Well, this year, give your team the gift of Pop Menu AI Answering, a simple solution for phones ringing off the hook. AI Answering handles calls 24-7, 365 days a year, so your staff can focus on in-person guests. Customize your greetings and responses, answer common questions, promote specials and events, and send follow-up links to ordering and reservations. AI Answering handles it all, while escalating more complex conversations back to your team. Now, never miss another tasty revenue opportunity. Pop Menu is the marketing technology platform designed to make growing your restaurant easy. Discover more AI restaurant tools that turn your to-do list into an already done list. Request a demo today and my listeners for a limited time will get $100 off their first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go now to popmenu.com/rockstars. Again, get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com/rockstars. Listen, from one restaurateur to another, and I hope you GMs out there listening as well are paying attention. You know, marketing should never be an experiment. Oh, I tried this or I tried that. No, any of your valuable dollars that you spend on marketing should absolutely be trackable. You should know exactly where the business is coming from and that it's driving return on your investment. You spend a certain amount of money, you want to make far more money in return from that marketing if you can track it. So pay attention. My friend Dyson runs a business called The Birthday Club, and his program is done for you because we know that everybody dines out on their birthday. It's a tradition. It's a celebration. But not only do they not come in by themselves, they bring many friends with them. They usually have free spending and large check averages. It's very profitable business. So why leave it to chance? Why let your competitors get all the birthday business? So again, The Birthday Club is a done for you program. All you have to do is check out www.jointhebirthdayclub.com slash birthday rockstar. It's a great program. If I still owned and operated restaurants today after decades, it's something I would definitely be doing, but it's worth checking out. So check it out. jointhebirthdayclub.com slash birthday rockstar. Good afternoon, Bloss. How are you today? It's great to have you on the Restaurant Rockstars podcast.
1: I'm doing great, Roger. Thanks for having
0: me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because this is a really interesting concept. And before we get into Pollo Comparo, I really want to know about your hospitality backstory and when it all began to you and why you chose this industry.
1: Uh, I've been, you know, uh, my background originally is in public accounting. I'm actually a, a CPA.
0: Oh, you're a so finance started, guy.
1: I'm a finance guy. <laughs> awesome. So I started in the accounting industry and background, and mm-hmm. I did uh, public accounting. I worked for a big four uh, company for several years. Then my jump to the uh, hospitality was more in the food and beverage. So I did work for a beer company uh, in my past. So Anheuser Busch, which is a large, uh, you know, beer company here, needs no introduction was a company that i worked for on um, yep. the distributor side so i had experience in that i also had a background in auditing uh franchisees uh some of the franchisees that i used to audit were uh sonic in the old days back in the 80s and 90s so i had a background in auditing uh franchise concepts i also had a background in real estate and and oil and gas and etc so Where I came into Pollo Campero is uh, after I left the beverage industry, I was um, recruited to come work for this company back in 2007. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I really didn't know much about Pollo Campero, but the more I read about it, the more excited I got about Pollo Campero. And it was a great story. And that's how I ended up here. So I've been here since uh, 2007. Uh, I'm going to complete 17 years this coming February.
0: Were you always involved in franchise development or did you have several different roles before you are in your current role?
1: I started out as the finance director here at Pueblo Campero. So I did that for the first uh, about 16 years, believe it or not. So I was one of the first employees they hired here in the U.S. to open the offices to expand the brand here in the U.S., franchising and corporate. So I was the finance, the accounting, the payroll, the HR, the IT person. so I kind of did the back office mostly. Uh, and did that. And as we grew, we've added people, very uh, important team members to the group to the group. And it was a, uh, about a year and a half ago that I was approached and they asked me, would you be interested in selling franchises?" And one of the reasons is I had great relationships with the franchisees. I know the unit economics of franchise model of Boya Campero. I have a great history with them. I know uh, everything that's happened with them, not only here in the US, but in uh, Central America. And it was a it was a I wouldn't say it was an intimidating move. It was just a different uh, move that I had to reinvent myself. And I'm really glad I did because it's been wonderful in the sense I get to meet potential franchise candidates, partners that we have in the system. And I, I get to meet a lot of people, uh, but uh, I, there's a little bit of me that still misses the, the accounting side of finance, but it, it's good where I'm at right now.
0: Okay. That's a great story. Let's talk about the history of the brand itself. Now it's a Guatemalan concept, but then it expanded throughout Central America. And now it's in America and you're in 19 States, I believe, but let's talk about where it all began and how it was founded and what the founding principles might've been. Just give us a brief history.
1: Yes. Um, Boicambado started in Guatemala in 1971. So it was from humble beginnings, uh, more of a, a, uh, a concept that had family recipes. It started out very humble in uh, 1971. The, within a year, it expanded over to El Salvador. And what's happened since the founding, it, it's, it's a great concept in the sense it has still a family uh, presence within the organization. Even though we've expanded significantly over these 53 years, 52, 53 years, it's been still the core of the brand is still good quality food, good service. We want you to come to Campero and feel like you're part of the family. Uh, You know, you're having a Thanksgiving dinner at one of our restaurants, kind of. That's the appeal that we have. The brand has taken off throughout Central America. We have over 300 locations throughout Central America. It's expanded into Ecuador, uh, and it's expanded uh, into Europe a little bit, into uh, Spain and Italy. Uh, but the focus has been here in the U.S. since 2007 outside of Central America. Well, we opened uh, our first franchise location uh, before I started here in 07 was open in, in Los Angeles, uh, 2002. Uh, and that was Olympic and it's still operating today. And one of the things that appealed to us was when they opened in Los Angeles, the 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 Central American Legacy customer went Crazy fanatical that we opened here in the U.S. They were so excited. Uh, They were very familiar with the brand, and we had tremendous lines when we first opened. So that's when we realized that the U.S. has this tremendous potential for the brand, and it continues to, every time we open a new restaurant, and we can talk about that later, but it's amazing the nostalgic appeal that this brand has for people that have Uh, immigrated from Central America to the U.S. To them, it's still their brand, their roots, and it brings back fond memories of when they grew up or family members that still live in Central America. So we're trying to bring that to the U.S. Initially, we started out where we were focusing on Central American Mm -hmm. uh, population throughout the U.S. So Los Angeles was one of the first areas that we realized there was a large Central American population. But we also uh, expanded into Washington, D.C. area and New York. So we were able to bring the brand to Central Americans initially back in mm. the early 2000s. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, what we've done is we've expanded that so that we have the ability to bring the brand to the crossover market, which are Americans that That's maybe are not familiar with. Yeah, And, and we've done yeah. that probably in the last three or four years so that we have expanded the reach of the brand into other areas within the us so what do i mean by that uh historically maybe we would have been more centralized in a legacy population base where we knew that we would be successful now we're outside of those areas because we recognize that our legacy customer will come visit us of we course. could be 10 miles 20 miles 30 miles away and we have people who drive hundreds of miles believe it or not rogers to have our chicken we know they will come but we also want to we want to present this wonderful brand to the US population that maybe hasn't been exposed to it and the reception has been phenomenal to the brand in the last five or six years
0: can I ask you what the strategy may have been and what continues to be in order to reach that crossover market? There's a real nugget of information here and it's marketing related, of course. You've got a core audience of fans that will travel miles and miles and miles to get your chicken and it's got a reputation, but now you're introducing it to a, you know, a different segment of the population and- you know, Word of mouth is certainly kicking in, but there had to be a strategy. Uh, what what might that be, or what might that have been, and has it evolved?
1: Um, well, our strategy really is growth. Uh, how do we accelerate the brand here in the U.S.? When you think about Pueblo Campero having 90 units in the U.S., that's very small. The white space is huge. One of the best marketing tools that we have is a presence in a different market. We wanna be in areas throughout the U.S. where we're present. We're in a a flagship location where people will see us as they drive or they commute, where we can come in and introduce ourselves in a big way. Uh, We recently, uh, for example, opened in Manhattan uh, a couple of stores. We're gonna continue to expand. So our strategy has been, we still maintain our core Uh, restaurants that have been very successful for us and by building more restaurants we're entering bigger markets so that people as they commute and travel throughout the U.S. will see us in different areas as opposed to just the focused areas that we had initially. So from a marketing perspective brand awareness is very important. Number two is we've done a lot of interviews PR work as an organization to get the word of mouth as to who we are. It's hard to go throughout every city and say who we are. So we've tried to use the PR angle and media to help identify ourselves to the public and say, here's a great offering that we have. We have good food. We've done a lot of social media, whether in Instagram or, or you know TikTok and our web site. And me as a franchise salesperson, I do a lot of road shows to promote the brand as I go out there. So it's not only promoting franchise sales, but I also promote the brand when I go to different cities to sell franchises. So it's a a very uh, holistic approach that we're trying to do. But we always want to make sure that people understand this is a global brand. This is not a U.S. brand. This is a global brand with our heritage in Central America. And we're very, very proud
0: of that. Yes, I see that. Now your stores seem to be very bright and colorful. Is it consistent across every store? Do they all look very, very similar? Because there's certainly a lot of curb appeal to that. If I had never heard of Pollo Campero and I'm driving down the street, I see your store. There's appeal there, and it would make me want to visit the store, and that's part of the strategy too. Do they all look, you know, those bright greens and yellows and oranges and that color, and and the big windows, and it's like you can see in, and there's clearly a vibe to the to the concept.
1: Yes and and Roger you hit it right on the head. We we try our best and we've done a very good job to make sure not only the brand here in the US is consistent from a you know a a presentation prototype uh you know uh, lighting cuz lighting does have a big impact especially at night mm-hmm. when you have the outline of the building uh, nice and shiny. So we've done very much to not only build our prototype to be very appealing to people who pass by our restaurant or to see it but also to remodel our existing restaurants. so we we have go through an extensive remodeling program here at Pueblo Campero to make sure that the customer experience is going to be the same no matter where you're at couple that with the fact that we also make sure that we're aligned with our Central American brand of Boil Campero you know they have uh, the Central American uh, restaurants there, and we're very consistent. So we try to be a true global brand where consistency is the same, where whether you're in Guatemala or the US, that you feel you're still part of the brand. And the way I always tell people is, if you go to our restaurant and you experience, uh, you know, the uh, the, uh, the food and, and the taste and, and, you know, the customer experience with uh, communicating with our personnel, and you leave there and you say to yourself, that's a Pueblo Campero, we've succeeded. So that's kind of how we benchmark ourselves to make sure that we are very consistent with the franchise and corporate, as well as uh, uh, our restaurants throughout the whole world. So it's been very successful. And our portfolio is is somewhat young also because our acceleration is happening in the last you know, two to three years and our next five years are going to be very aggressive. So we believe that, by uh, remodeling the, the existing ones that we had in the base, which was not as significant going forward with a new prototype that will have a consistent brand.
0: Okay, excellent answer. Let's talk about the chicken. I mean, it's a very competitive che- uh, segment, of course, and you can get chicken 5,000 different ways, as you know, but this is a family recipe. Is it authentic to the 1970s? Has anything changed or this literally secret recipe continues to this day?
1: It's still a secret recipe. And I don't, I don't even know what it's in, (laughs) what the ingredients are, but I can tell Mm -hmm. you this: the recipe itself is, and people always ask what's different about the chicken. The Mm. the chicken, first of all, is when we prepare our chicken is marinated before it even comes to the restaurant. So our suppliers marinate it with the special ingredients, uh, as we bring it to the store fresh, uh. We, we um, bread it through special breading. We have special breading that's part of the process that ensures that when we fry the chicken, it's in a pressure fryer that is sealed. So pretty much the chicken, when you prepare it, comes out very tender, crunchy, and juicy. What do I mean by that? You literally can eat it without having any grease on your fingers, which is something that is very unique for uh I would fried, say so fried chicken concept. Yeah. backed out I was in Austin uh, about you know about three weeks ago. We opened a new restaurant and I actually bought some chicken and I had to go to the airport and on my way to the airport, I'm I'm saying to myself, How am I gonna eat this? My fingers are gonna be greasy. Well, I actually got a piece of fried chicken and was eating it along the way and to my amazement when I got to the airport I looked at my fingers and I didn't have any grease I didn't I didn't really need any any napkin which was amazing I, I would and that kind you. of t- told me the power of what this special seasoned product that we have for fried chicken so it's a unique flavor. It's very flavorful. All our meals are very flavorful from, you know, not only the fried chicken, we have an excellent grill product, grilled chicken, but the unique sides that we have, or whether it's plantains, uh, campero rice, campero beans. We just came out recently with a mac and cheese product, which the crossover, the, con- the U.S. consumer loves.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and the mashed potato, and, too, I'd say.
1: And, and we have other products. Uh, we have yeah. uh, campero, you know, nuggets uh, that are very tasty in a special sauce. And we have, you know, uh, uh, we have sandwiches that are spicy and regular. So we try to be very complementary with our existing menu, which the fried chicken is a hero. It's the one that has gotten us. It's the one that people come from Central America bring boxes on the plane and the whole plane smells like fried chicken from Pua Campeño. <laughs> nice. But it's something that when you taste it, it's very unique. It's very, it's very distinctive. And it's something that is somewhat addictive. Uh, so once you have it, it's like, you know what, it's kind of different and you go to other player and you you kind of tend to come back to Pua Campero and say, this is unique. This is good. So that's kind of the formula that we've based our, our, uh, our fried chicken, at uh, Boil campano.
0: Now you're also offering a grilled chicken option, which is a little bit healthier for those that don't eat fried foods or whatnot. Have you been able to maintain the exact same flavor profile? It's just uh, a different texture or consistency to the skin itself and how it's actually cooked. Would someone be just as pleased with the grilled product as the fried chicken, which has made you famous? Yes.
1: Um, as I mentioned a little while ago, you know, our, our grilled chicken is very underrated. It's a citrus Peruvian style chicken. Mm-hmm. So when you taste it, it's very, very flavorful. It's, it comes out very juicy and, and tender. And it's something that, yes, what we found is it's a great option for those that want a healthier option. Um The people who tend to love our our grilled chicken are someone that maybe are more conscious about what they're eating, but we have a great product that complements our fried chicken. And we continue to evolve that, you know, we have a campero bowl where we have the product Mm -hmm. as part of that. So we have uh, a salad, a campero bowl salad, and we also uh, uh, have, you know, empanadas uh, is another area that we also work on. So this grilled chicken is a very good complement, but it's very good. And I, I keep saying this to everyone. It's a very underrated product. But when you have such a powerful fried chicken product, it's very hard to, to compare the two when you have such a legacy product since 1971 in the fried chicken, which is well, really Well, like you case. said,
0: you call it a halo product, and it really yeah. is. But it also... You know, it also encourages people to try some of your different offerings because you can get the chicken two different ways, fried and grilled, but you can also get it in a bowl, as you just mentioned, or in a sandwich. And then there's salads. It seems like you're offering something for everyone and the sides, of course, and must have tremendous kid appeal too, right? The, the kids really like it.
1: Yeah, we, we, we do a lot. We have a, our pollito, which is our on Campero Mascot is a chicken, which is very well known throughout the world if you're central america or you know okay. the brand so yeah,
0: the mascot
1: it it's uh, it's he's a very powerful figure we love him he represents the brand kids really love to see him and families in fact people love to take pictures of him so we try as much as a brand to be a family brand we, uh, you know offering family meals we want you to come in the restaurant and enjoy the you know bring 10 20 people to the restaurants. Put the tables together, enjoy the meal here because, as I mentioned earlier, I've heard that Bougainville is like having Thanksgiving dinner. The food is so, uh, you know, the quality is so good, the unique offerings, the experience, the, the you know, the fact that the ambience of the restaurant, they're very nice and beautiful restaurants when you go in there and our, our, our employees are also very welcoming in the sense they want you to be part of the Campero family. And we feel very strongly that once you are in our restaurant, you experience that, you will come back. And that's been the special uh, uh, secret sauce, I guess, for lack of better words, that has gotten us here to where we're at. And we're very excited about that. But kids are part of the family. And the more we have as part of the family, the bigger the families that we have, as part of the, the happier we are. So we've been very blessed, uh, that we appeal to a lot of families.
0: Let's talk about the guest experience when they walk in the door of a Pollo Compero, is it, um, you know, counter service or their kiosks, which people order, if you've never been in before, you kind of look at giant menu boards. It's like, how efficient is the process? And how does the process work in, in the stores?
1: Our restaurants, you know, we have different consumers that come in our restaurants, but what we like to do is when a customer comes in our restaurant and is going to dine in, we always want to know if it's our first-time employee company. So if it's Mm -hmm. a first-time customer who comes in, we want to introduce them to the flavors we have. Um, So what we tend to do is be very informative as to not only the food that we offer, but what makes it special, you know, You know where we come from so we're very proud of where we come from we're very proud of the heritage that we represent so we try our best to engage with the customers but to your point you still have to be efficient when you're serving customers so it's you know there's lines behind others and you 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 don't (laughs) want to be there too long so we try to as effectively as possible get them to where they understand the brand very quickly we introduce some of the signature items uh, we answer some of the questions they may have, because we want people to feel very good when they come in and comfortable. Um, so that's where we take a new customer through a customer journey of the menu and the history of the brand. And eventually, they get to the point where they get to sample the flavor, and I think we've converted them. The people who know us are the people who know exactly what they want. You know, we want eight-piece fried chicken. We want these campero sides. We mm-hmm. want, uh, you know, mac and cheese, et cetera. So those tend to be a lot faster as far as processing them through the through the queue of of the customer uh, counter. Uh, we we but we want to make sure that that everyone is satisfied because we understand people's time is important. So we also have to make sure those busy, uh, you know, uh, people who come in for lunch or or and just have to you know thirty minutes to come in that they come in either through a very quick drive through a takeout area or they order and they're able to leave very efficiently at the restaurant. Uh, so, so we do a good, very good job. In fact, uh, making sure that we capture that customer base. Um, but it's, it's, it's very unique in the sense that once you introduce people and I've taken several people, Roger, to the restaurant that really didn't own Campero and The tendency is, you know, it's, it's fried chicken, but then they leave and they say, that's really good stuff. And, and I can tell that they, they get impressed by the offerings that we have there, because I can tell you this, it's really good. It's really good quality food. So we're very aware of that. The customer experience is very important to us. We have a complete department committed to customer experience. Uh, we want to make sure that everything is not just only going to the restaurant it's on the mobile app it's on the website it's going through a drive through it's passing down the road it's every takeout you know third party delivery all of those touch points are part of the customer experience and we have to make sure we're consistent with the message and the approach of how we protect the brand here in the US so that's kind of how we were able to manage but we've trained our people to really understand who our customers are when they initially come in the restaurant and how do we address their their needs immediately.
0: Let's talk about the guest service component. If you've got a whole department around that, then obviously that's helping to ensure the consistency of experience from the guest to the, uh, the actual Pollo Comparo representative that's actually introducing them to the brand or telling them something about it. Let's talk about the training and, and how that works and how you can maintain that consistency with a new hire.
1: We have a very, uh, I don't want to say rigid, but we do have a very detailed training program here at Campetto. Uh We have a significant training department, uh, probably about 16 individuals that are part of the training department. And we always want them to come in and feel, uh, you know, they, they have to have the passion. Um, you know, it's very easy to hire people, but it's hard to... Have the same passion that I have for others here at Campero because it shows when you have the customer in front of you. So we look at characteristics of someone who has the ability to communicate, the ability to be, uh, you know, have confidence in front of, uh, you know, customers of different backgrounds to be able to promote the brand. So we start there with a recruiting process. Then they go through a a training process. uh, program here at Campero, whether it's at the restaurant or here at the corporate uh, office, to really understand a deep dive of who we are. You know what makes us special. Why do people come to Puerto Campero? Drive 200 miles for fried chicken? You say, why would you drive 200 miles for fried chicken? Yeah, that's well, you have to explain. You have to explain to them why they do this. To them, it's their brand. It's their legacy. It's you know, it's it's a taste of home. So. We make sure our employees understand that when when we uh, train them, we make sure they go through all the standards necessary. You know, we make sure that you know that we treat all our uh, customers politely, and you know all the soft skills necessary to to be able to appeal to people from different backgrounds. But we also know that they have to be capable of doing whatever restaurant capability needs are there. You know, whether it's preparing the chicken, ringing up the chicken or serving, you know, whatever you need as an expediter. Each one of these uh, job responsibilities are are, we have a standard operating manual. We make sure they're consistent across not only here in, in the corporate units, but also in the franchise units, because people don't know whether you're in a franchise or corporate. unit, And we work very, very hard to ensure that consistency there. And we, we get the benefit of people who want to work at Campero because people will literally quit where they're working to come work for us because to them, this means something to them. It's it's a personal uh, affiliation with a brand that maybe their family knows or they know or they married somebody from Central America that knows the brand or they came from Central America. So it's a very unique brand when you have An employee profile who kind of wants to work with you so it makes us beautiful uh, very happy that we have that ability
0: that sounds like your company culture in a nutshell right there it's family based and it's clearly a camaraderie or chemistry of the teamwork people that understand the values they can impart those values to the guest and they can relate to the guest and it's the guests are family and the team is family that's what it sounds like to me would you say that's true Listen, when I ran restaurants, I had my core values, the things most important, how I ran my restaurants. Monitoring daily operations, training my team for consistently great guest experiences, food safety, quality assurance, and preventative maintenance. All this took a system. Well, here's what Zenia can do. Zenia gives you a modern app Really, an operational base camp that scales standard operating procedures, trains your team, controls operations, and even manages food safety. Now, I really like their sensors that continuously monitor temperature for fridges and freezers so you can proactively prevent inventory losses. Now, how valuable is that? Now, whether managing a single or multiple locations, the Xenia app helps you ensure consistency, compliance, and accountability across your operation. You can see full detail in real time from anywhere in your Xenia dashboard with automated reports right to your inbox. Now again, this was vital in my restaurants. Zenia is offering my listeners white glove service with free onboarding and implementation so you can jump straight into immediate usage and value. Zenia starts at just $69 per month per location. So get my special deal at www.zenia.team slash rockstars. Zenia is spelled X-E-N-I-A.
1: Yes, and uh, we we definitely promote our values here at uh, Boa Campero, you know, and it's not just here, but uh, throughout our parent company in Central America. It's something that is very dear to us from the founders. We take it very very serious, uh, and we're very proud of that. And that's when you think about putting everything together as far as making people feel good about themselves, helping them out, uh, you know, a helping hand when necessary. It, it really adds the uh it really adds the uh, appeal to the brand to to people who don't know us it, it really says something that you guys are special you guys are different and that's what we're aiming for here in the US because i really do believe we're very special as far as a brand uh there's not very many brands that are family owned still that have carried on that's this true. tradition for over 50 years it yeah. hasn't changed that's i mean a that's a legacy like, Mm -hmm. That's a legacy. Quality is quality. There's no shortcuts here at Policom, but we are going to deliver what we said we're going to deliver. And if we don't, we're going to make it up. But uh, I'm very happy to say that we really are able to execute uh, the experience to the customer when they come in.
0: You know, much of the quick-serve restaurant world, at least the largest franchises are constantly coming out with new menu items, whether they're limited-time offers or they're trying to roll out something that becomes the next biggest thing, and it's obviously to stay ahead of their competitors. You've got a core menu. Do you often or at any time add new items or do you have an R&D process to do that? How tell us about that process if it happens at all.
1: Sure, we do have a, a dedicated R and D department here at Boil Campero, Not only here in the U.S., but uh, also within uh, our parent company in Guatemala City. Mm-hmm. So we do do uh, different menu offerings. We 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 understand that the palate changes. People want to you know taste different things. There's different trends. So yes, we have our core menu that is consistent, but we also have limited time offer. Products, for example, next year we're going to come out with two new sandwiches, which we're going to test. Uh, we're in the testing phase, and we believe they're going to be very successful. Uh, we've done it with, uh, you know, uh, desserts. We've done it with side items. Uh, so it's a it's a constant evolution of what our consumer base and we we do a lot of research to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, and we get feedback from our consumers through focus group. Uh, etc. Right, but right. We're very mm-hmm. proud that we try to be uh, uh, n- not necessarily the trendsetter, but fast followers, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that we are always on top of what are the latest trends, you know, spicy has become, you know, the last five to seven years, everybody wants something spicy. So we want to be in that arena. We want to be that mac and cheese. in as an example, or we rolled that out this year, that was a new product that we rolled out. So yes, we are constantly, and for 2024, we do have some products that we will be rolling out, and we believe that the customers will really accept it as part of an LTO, and if they're very successful, they might be part of our permanent menu. So we do have a a lot of constant focus on trends and making sure that we address those with uh, different items on our menu.
0: Let's talk about catering because that seems to be a big part of your business model as well. It's like the food has such a following and people that work in large organizations or they have private parties or big events that love the product. It's like they want to bring that to their friends and neighbors and that sort of thing. Is catering a big piece of each store's uh, revenue model? We do.
1: We do focus on catering because we believe by it's kind of a marketing uh, tactics. So, so if we're able to put the chicken in, you know, different, you know, offices or you know, car dealerships, uh, hospitals, you know, when we we have dedicated people uh, throughout all the restaurants in all our areas that we operate who do a follow up and do promote the brand through catering, and we do a very good job to make sure that we reach out to these consumers who maybe. Maybe someone in the office knows Campero and they want to cater, but not everybody in the office knows us. So we try to make sure that that customer experience through their catering program is a very positive experience. And that's part of the customer experience we're talking about. So what do I mean by that? You know, the packaging has to be good. The food has to be delivered very hot. The presentation is wonderful. And the welcoming that we do as far as serving the product and making sure that we address and explain to them our brand as we're catering these different events. So it's not just delivering chicken and walking away. No, it's delivering an experience. Thank you. So we we make sure that, you know, packaging is very important, the product, you know, arriving warm and hot and all that is very important. Presentation is very important. But also behind the scenes, how can we make sure that the person who's trying this for the first time Gets a an understanding of who we really are, and after that experience, they tend to come and want to know where we're at, and we let them know where we're, you know, physically where we're at and who we are in the history, and they become customers, and it kind of snowballs from oh, there yeah. because the strategy. And one of the things that we've we've been very blessed with is our product is so good, and I'm not lying to you, Roger, but. I,
0: I don't think I can anyone taste has. taste it ever, already, Blas. So I can taste your <laughs> chicken, and I've never had it just <laughs> for your description.
1: I don't think anyone has ever said they don't like it. Is uh-huh. is a compliment? So we try as much as possible to get it in different people's mouths and have a sample and try it. And we believe once they have that, and we execute that properly, we 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 have customers who will be in our restaurant and our job is to make sure they keep coming back. So that's where the customer experience is very important when they come back, especially new customers. But I, we've been blessed that, you know, the, the product, the chicken is is so good that people want to come back. It makes it easier when you have that.
0: Do any of your stores have drive throughs Does the concept lend itself to drive throughs or even for the future? I mean, where, where yeah. do you stand on that?
1: Yeah, we we focus more on the freestanding drive-through locations, whether it's corporate or franchise. Now we do have within our our portfolio inlines and in caps, and they're all very successful. But to really bring the brand uh, to where the brand awareness uh, is is where we want to be, in especially in new markets, we want to make sure we have a freestanding with drive-through. Uh, so we are requiring our franchisees, if they're opening in new markets, to have freestanding with drive-through. Uh, and we're doing it for corporate. We're opening, you know, restaurants in Orlando at the end of the year, and some other markets in Phoenix next year, that we want to be able to plant the flag and say, Boya Campero's here, here's our flagship, come try us. And then develop the whole market uh, for Boya Campero by expanding that through other Freestanding uh, drive through locations. And once you kind of fill that, the whole market with that, then you can maybe talk about an in cap with the drive through or inline where you just fill in the whole market. But predominantly, we're focused on that. But we also understand that it's getting difficult for corporate or franchise uh, to find sites that are freestanding with drive through. So it depends on the market you're in. You know, some of these, you know, Manhattan, forget it. It's going to be impossible.
0: Of course, yes. But if that's you go right. to
1: somewhere, if you go to Texas, it's it's a lot easier to be able to find that. So that's kind of we make sure the portfolio is balanced, but our focus definitely is freestanding with drugs.
0: Have your concepts or your locations struggled with the labor crisis at all? And if so, how have you dealt with that?
1: You when the pandemic hit, you know, it was it was, it was a. It was a scary time for everyone because nobody knew what the future was going to be. We were very good as far as an organization taking care of our people. And I think by taking care of our people, it resonated that that there was some loyalty that really helped us. Uh, And it wasn't something that we woke up and say, we're going to do this. No, it's something that we already know it's the right thing to do. So by taking care of our employees during the pandemic, it really helped to uh, solidify us as a brand, a place that you want to work as far as a QSR restaurant. We have done a good job mitigating some of the costs. And we do operate from a labor perspective uh, in in states that are very, you know, uh, minimum wages are higher than the average, uh, whether it's New York or Mm -hmm. California. Uh-huh. So what yeah, we've tried to do is to optimize the kitchen area to ensure that we, we utilize our employees um, as, as, as well as we can by, you know, saving steps. You know, when you prepare the chicken, when you assemble the chicken, when you deliver the chicken. So we've done studies to make sure the back of the house is as efficient and as small as, as possible. We've also made sure that. As we're recruiting, uh, that their people and I-, I mentioned this earlier. They they kind of want to come work for us if they're from Central America. So of course it yeah. helps that that they come to us and say, you know, I used to work at this QSR, but I want to work for you because you're my brand. So we've been able to have that and our uh, employee base the the road the uh, turnover is less than the restaurant industry. So we're very proud of that, uh, and it's a lot of loyalty. But we also want to make sure we take care of our employees. So there's a, a value proposition that we have for them, whether it's benefits, whether it's ta- you know taking time off, or compensation, or you know development, which is very important for a lot of our uh, employees. They're excited that we're growing. They're an opportunity to uh, you know to maybe attain a, a, a position of higher standards within the branch, you know you could be a back of the house now you're front of the house, you could be an area manager, or director because we're growing so fast. So those are the people that are, are hungry and want to be part of this. So we've done a very good job of recruiting, retaining who we have through a, you know an employee value proposition and also making sure that uh, they're connected with our customer because at the end of the day it's a brand experience, which is customer and employee. And making both of them happy really makes the brand experience at the end of the day. So we're very careful that both sides are, are well taken care of. And we've done a good job of that. So we're very happy. But there's challenges everywhere. And we recognize that. But uh, I think coming out of the pandemic, we learned a lot about ourselves as far as a brand.
0: With 90 stores, there's leverage and economies of scale and purchasing and that sort of thing. But has inflation and supply chain issues hampered your efforts at all? Initially
1: during the uh, pandemic, yes, there was very significant. Uh, you know, you had inflation. You didn't have availability of restaurant equipment. Products were scarce. So we were able to pivot. And we were able to pivot because we worked very, very closely with our suppliers. Uh, whether it's food suppliers, whether it's equipment suppliers, so we were very well connected to ensure they understood what our pain was, as well as their capabilities. Because it's you know both sides were struggling at the same time, uh, so we we did that, and we we yes we did incur inflationary pressures like everyone else. Margins were impacted. Uh, We adjusted uh, either through cost of acquisition, where we tried as much as possible to renegotiate with our suppliers. How can we become more efficient? Not necessarily raising prices, because you still want to be a value proposition for customers. You want them to make sure that what they pay for, they feel they're getting value. And it's not always how much they pay, but it's a whole experience. So we had to make sure that we balanced those out. Have we had to take menu price increases? Absolutely. But we also are very aware of what really uh, makes a good value proposition by raising prices. So it's both sides. How can we improve our our contracts? How can we get cost of acquisition down? And how can we still deliver the uh, customer experience if we have to raise prices? So those two. Is It's not as bad as it was, I would say, about a year ago or maybe two years ago. It has gotten a lot better. I I don't think we're 100% there, but we're getting a lot closer, which it makes it very easy for you to be able to execute all these things. And especially when you're building a lot of restaurants, you got to make sure that you have all the supplies necessary to build one of these restaurants. So we do have suppliers that are there to help us with this.
0: Let's talk about necessary technology. I know you're utilizing online ordering, and that's become essential, especially during and post-pandemic. What other technology makes your customer experience more efficient or helps your people do a better job, that sort of thing?
1: We we have implemented uh, uh, the mobile app, which has been there since 2019. Uh, we were very fortunate that we had the mobile app in place before the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So we had done our, and I don't want to say we were planning on, you know, pandemic. It's just, we just were fortunate that we had it in place. We also had signed third-party delivery at that point in time before the pandemic. Once the pandemic happened, we accelerated those channels, third-party delivery ordering through the mobile app, et cetera. So the mobile app is something that has been very powerful for the brand. uh, The last couple of years, we are going to probably next year, Look at updating that because you have to with technology, always look at the latest and greatest technology. So we're not going to stay stale and say, this is what got us here. What's going to get us to the next level? So we're focusing on that for sure this year and next year. We've also done digital menu boards. We're currently in the process of opening our restaurants with digital menu boards because it's very important that people engage. They like that engagement online and and the real time information that uh, digital drive-through uh, menu boards provide you you know, with accuracy, presenting you know the menu in a, in a more appealing and easier way to navigate. So we've worked very hard on that, especially with the new units that we're building. And eventually we will build that into the, ex- the rest of the existing portfolio. So we use that as another technology. We also have customer experience with technology as far as customer feedback. Uh, We do have a third party provider that gives us customer feedback uh, as well as social media where we have the ability to go out there and grab all the good, the bad and the ugly comments, bring them in house, analyze that information and really focus on where are our areas of opportunity. You know, it could be this this week. It could be this next week. And it can be specific to stores or regions. So we make sure that we look at that data on a regular basis. And we do meet to look at that because it's very important that that uh, continues to be one of our focal points when it comes to customer service. The other thing was we have a call center. Believe it or not, there's still people who don't want to pick up a mobile app. Don't want to go online and order on our website.
0: I know they're Don't are.
1: want to talk to somebody. Yes. <laughs> they like to talk to somebody and say, hey. Yeah. And people. we have the ability through technology to, if once you give us your phone number, we can see what you've ordered in the past, who you are. Also, if you have provided your your, your birthday, we can say your birthday's coming up or your birthday was last week. Whatever it takes to make that customer feel special. We have trained agents that do that for us on a a call center. So we try to do different things. Uh, So technology is a big player on what we true. You know, we still, you know, uh, from a marketing perspective, we have a lot of focus on making sure consumer data that we get that uh, when we either roll out new products or we roll out, you know, new store openings. You know, what is the consumer feedback on this new store opening? So there's a lot of, uh, information that we're able to gather. And I think the bigger question, Roger is what do you do with all this? You know, you can have all this data, but how do you make sure you're able to digest this data and do exactly what you need to do as far as a tactical standpoint,
0: yeah, the data is useless. If it's not executed, understood first and then executed properly. (laughs) Absolutely. Awesome. That's tremendous. Let's talk about the franchise itself and the opportunity. What type of experience or candidates are you looking for as you continue to expand the brand? Someone who's been in the restaurant business before? Do you bring in any people that you train that have not been in this business, but they've been in other businesses? Every franchise is different.
1: Yeah. We try to, uh, our franchise profile, it's probably about four or five different criteria. One of the things is it's, it's obvious, but you still have to call it out, right? Is it do they have the enough capital? Do they have sufficient net worth and liquidity? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've gotta be able to uh invest in this brand. It's not something that someone who is very passive or doesn't have the the capital to invest is gonna be able to uh get for far with this brand. So capital is very important. Uh, attitude is something that I look at very closely. I think they have to be happy operating in a system. The, you know, uh, they they're able to work collaboratively. You know, uh, with franchisor, we like that. They have high level energy. We want someone who has high level energy, and they want to pursue growth. We you know we don't want franchisees who just want to build one and be container or We want someone who can build a portfolio of five to ten. So that's really our focal point. We want uh, them to be a great person to deal with. You know, they got to be good people right at the end of the day and they got to make and they got to make decisions and meet goals and they have to understand. I think one of the most important things is they have to understand the, the franchise risk, you know, what's associated with opening a franchise. There's risk associated and they have to be highly committed. So that's kind of the attitude piece. Um, you know, legal background, they got to be clean records and all that stuff. I'm not going to go into details. And then general yes. skills and, and experience, they have to have leadership skills. We are looking for multi-unit operators who have maybe other concepts, whether it's pizza or, you know, um, Mexican food or something that uh, uh, that's outside of chicken that would complement because we know that they have the infrastructure already in place to be able to put a concept like ours as part of their portfolio. And they have to have previous management and supervisors and preferably in the restaurant industry. So they have to have someone on their team who has dedicated restaurant experience. Uh, Now, the owner might not necessarily have to have the experience or the investor, but they have to have the person who's gonna be running the restaurants with restaurant experience. And then uh, those are the, the the ideal candidates that we're looking for, and we've been very successful over the last year and a half to make sure that we are very transparent upfront with our profile because we don't want them to waste any time or money, nor do we want to waste time and money if it's not a good match. So those are the things that we look like we look for, and excuse me, in the franchise
0: makes sense. One- one of the reasons you're so successful and you're growing. What are the growth plans now? You've got 90 stores now. What's you know the outlook for the future? How many stores going to keep going? Every state?
1: We've got to be. We we have focused on on our growth plan. In fact, we we have a five year growth plan, and our goal is to be 250 units by 2028. We do have aggressive uh, goals. Uh, we believe very strongly that we'll be able to meet those goals. Why do I say that? We have a pipeline already. We have uh, you know, a pipeline of signed leases for corporate development. We have signed uh, franchise agreements and development agreements with franchisees. So we have a pipeline. Uh, and as we were talking, pretty much, we're adding more to that pipeline, whether it's a new lease or a new franchise candidate. So we have aggressive. Our focus is going to be mostly in the uh, California area the Texas market, uh, the Southeast area, and also the Northeast, and a little bit of the Chicago area. So those are the markets that we're focusing on. Pretty much where we're already in existence is where we want to fill out the market. Uh, but but as always, as we add new new corporate units and franchise units, it, it opens a possibility of other states and the ability to expand. And of course, we want to be nationwide, But our focus in the next five years is to focus really in the areas where we're developing existing franchises and corporate units. And then as time goes on, we'll be able to add more territory.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the awareness just continues to grow when there's more and more units in a certain area. And then everyone recognizes it. And it's, you know, that's a branding strategy into itself. But that makes perfect sense. Yes. Well, Blas, we've covered a lot of ground today. You've got the family values. You've got the quality of the product. You've got the recognition. You've got the bright, vibrant stores. You've got the training. You've got, you know, the company culture. It's all, you know, coming together to be a really solid brand. So I really enjoyed your time today in the Restaurant Rockstars podcast.
1: Roger, thank you for your time. And we're very proud of the brand here, Campero, not only in the US, but worldwide in Guatemala and Central America. So, um, I invite everybody to come try us. Um, I know we're not in every city. We plan to be in every city, hopefully in the next, you know, five to 10 years. But please, I, I, I'm almost uh, certain that when you give us a try, you'll, you'll enjoy the experience. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Plus, thank you so much for a great episode. So many key learnings here and so many things that your brand Pollo Compero is doing that really sets itself apart from the competition. I love the family values. I love the guest service experience, the vibrancy of the stores, the unique family recipe. I can't wait to try it myself. So thanks for being with us. Thank you again to our sponsors and thanks to our audience. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Um, it'll definitely help other operators and general managers and other leaders in the hospitality space find us. And uh, if there's anything you'd like to hear or see or, and just any feedback at all, please drop me a line, Roger, R-O-G-E-R at restaurantrockstars.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we can't wait to see you in the next episode. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons, for fun, celebration, for family, for lifestyle. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's hard to find great staff. Costs are rising and profits are disappearing. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants that I've now sold for millions of dollars. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. I created a game-changing system, and it's filled with everything I've learned in over 20 years running super-profitable, super-fun restaurants. Everything from creating high-profit menu items and cost controls, to staff training where your teams serve and sell, to marketing hooks, money-maximizing tips, and efficiencies across your operation. What does this mean to you? More money to invest in your restaurant, to hire a management team, time, freedom, and peace of mind. You don't just want to run a restaurant, you want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy and I'll show you how it's done.